0: Welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the in credits of Alien two and a half minutes at a time. I'm John Engel. <laughs> and I'm Mitch
1: Bryan. Yeah, today we're looking at Minute 115 through 117, which begins with the credit for Michael Seymour and ends with the line released by the 20th Century Fox Film Corporation.
0: Yeah, we mentioned on Monday that we were going to condense the credits into one episode to end the week neatly on a Friday and not come back for like one episode on Monday and then a half an episode, I guess it would be because there's only yeah, 30 seconds left. That'd be enough of that. Yeah, no, we, we're just going to give you this
1: end of the week extravaganza. Talking about different people working on the movie and works that they've done and lots of digressions and yeah. a few summations and some looks ahead and some acknowledgments of people that have helped us out on this. So you've got all that to look forward to
0: today. And so possibly. Yeah, that's a good thing. Bet Midler might show up and sing "When Beneath My Wings" to us. I' not promising that's going to happen. <laughs> God, that's so like, weird and I just, random. Okay, I just, well, I just put us on a Johnny Carson level of as far as is departing. That, is that Jones. what happened
1: yeah. at the end of Johnny yeah. Carson? I uh, see. It, I it's I one of the that. last things that wow. happened.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's so, incredible. Talking about Johnny Carson on an alien show.
1: Here we go. Yeah. Well, let's start. I guess we could talk about Michael Seymour. We
0: can. Who was the uh, production designer? He won talk- an Oscar, right? Um, he did. Uh, no, he was nominated, nominated for an Oscar. Nominated for Oscar, an Oscar that's right. um, And we've talked about him quite a bit. You know, I think I feel like we talked about him mainly around, or at least I did, mainly around the landing leg conversation early in the movie as far as his contributions t- toward creating a believable external Nostromo, landed at Nostromo, like for the landing party, the away team, as I like to call them, <laughs> as he got on the planet. And We talked about him a lot there because he... Had some great ideas for how to make that a convincing shot, and as far as them exiting the Nostromo and heading out on the planet, and you know, when you take into account all the rest of the production design of the film, his name would pop up occasionally. But I think it's actually a testament to him somewhat that you don't think about him a whole lot going through the movie sometimes because the production design is so brilliant. It's not showy; it's so real that you're immersed in it and you're. Just going with the movie, even even on this deep an- analysis that we've been giving it, uh, sometimes I don't think about the, the set design that much because it's just so seamless and, and, and beautiful.
1: It feels very real. That's for sure. It's funny when you look over his list of credits, he worked on Theater of Blood, which mm-hmm. is a Vincent Price picture. Yeah. And Diana Rigg. Do you know this movie Spies? I do know the movie Spies.
0: How, um, how's that spelled? It's spelled S... Asterix. Uh, sp- <laughs> P... Asterix. Why? Asterix. S... No asterisks. It's all. It stars Donald Sutherland and Elliot Gould, who starred in. Spell it for me. M. Apost- <laughs> asterisk. I'm sort of a. Asterisks. Asterisk. We don't have to. Do we don't asterisk. have to do the whole thing Starting mesh. It, weirdly, weirdly. Just so completely the marketing co-opting thought, the marketing of Bash
1: Because I don't even think it's an acronym in the movie. <laughs> no. I don't think it stands for anything.
0: <laughs> but we will say that it is an Irvin-Kershner joint. Yeah. So we love our Irvin-Kershner, love our Empire Strikes Back, of course, and RoboCop 2.
1: <laughs> never Say Never Again. Never Say Never Again. Oh, you know <laughs> a what? Fine Madness is I commend.
0: good. I commend him for Never Say Never Again. That had to be a tough job. Yeah. But he's... Yeah. He'd worked with Connery before on A Fine Madness. Yeah. That was probably what sealed the deal but also uh,
1: Michael Seymour worked on Eureka, the Nicholas Rogue movie, yeah. The Bride, the Strange Frank Rodham Frankenstein movie with with Sting. Uh he stayed in the Ridley Scott Tony Scott Corporation for Revenge, which was a Tony Scott movie. You'd love Not Revenge. not one of John's favorite films. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, it's a terrible movie.
0: Beverly Hills Cop 3. Was one that, of that... the worst movies I've ever is seen. Is that Landis? It is John Landis. Yeah. And I can count on one hand the movies that I've walked out of, and that was one of them. It was so bad to me. I'm a huge fan of Beverly Hills Cop. (laughs) I'm a really big fan, especially when I was in high school. When this movie came out, I was looking forward. Not that I was a big Beverly Hills Cop 2 fan. It was fine. Also a Tony Scott film. Going in for Beverly Hills Cop 2, I was like, this is the first one I get to see in the theater. Oh, my God. It was awful. I walked right out. It was unbelievably bad, but I will give Michael Seymour this. It wasn't Michael Seymour's fault. As I remember it, it was an extravagant set. I believe it was some sort of indoor uh, amusement park, which is crazy to think about. But it must have been a big job, and and I'm sure he did fine on it. I, you know, I'm sure by the end of the movie, it all came together, and I just wasn't there to see it. But, um, yeah. So that's Michael Seymour. Uh, Les Dilly and Roger Christian come
1: up next, right? Yes. Yeah. And you know, Roger Christian is. A fascinating character. Um, I'm a fan of The Projection Booth, which is a podcast that goes into great detail. Not minute by minute. They're not going that far. But they go into great detail with movies. And Roger Christian has been really accessible to them. And he has given some great interviews especially in terms of the stuff he did on Star Wars and Battlefield Earth, which he directed. Yeah. I refer you to the projection booth for some of those really great interviews. He had had an extraordinary career, you know, working in, in the art departments and, and had worked on Star Wars and built all the hand props. He directed a movie called The Sender. Have you ever seen that? No. It's really cool. It's um, It's a psychic phenomenon movie I think it kind of got lost there was another movie called Patrick that came out from Australia around the same time yeah and I think they sometimes get confused or conflated Uh, Catherine Harold is in The Sender I think it's a really good movie and totally worth looking at if you haven't seen it if you like that kind
0: of a movie Uh, so Les and Roger Christian were nominated for an Oscar on Alien along with Michael Seymour it was all in one under one category of um, art direction but Roger Christian had won an Oscar for Star Wars so so we can move on then to some more art department stuff, uh, special effects department to be more specific, with Nick Alder and Brian Johnson. Now, Mitch, did you find very much about Nick Alder?
1: Yeah. Tell me. Oh my God! I mean, I'd be here all day if I read all of the credits and all the movies that those guys have worked on. But I mean, he worked on so many films, um, especially after after Alien. There were so many movies in the in the '80s that he that he worked on. But he worked on I think worked on Conan the Barbarian. He worked on a bunch of Bond films.
0: This will be the, you can hear pages turning episode. It totally is. Uh,
1: yeah. Did you have trouble finding anything about
0: it? Because he's... some of these, I knew you were looking up some stuff and I was like, but I wanted to point out something about this team. And that's that Brian Johnson seems to get the credit. Like I, I hear Brian Johnson talked about all the time. I see him interviewed. I see things about him far more often than I do Nick Alder. So I thought it'd be interesting to kind of point out that disparity between the amount of credit they each get. And Brian Johnson's story is just. Maybe so much more compelling in a way, because he had worked on the Gary Anderson shows, Thunderbirds, and Space 1999. But so had Nick Alder. See, I, that's the stuff that doesn't come up. I Every time I read about something, it's all about Gary Johnson and Thunder, Brian Johnson. Thunderbirds are go. Yeah. And, um, but I think it's the Star Wars connection, because uh, I don't believe Nick Alder worked on Star Wars unless he did, which then is makes this whole thing a mystery to me because everything I read is Brian Johnson got asked to do star Wars, but couldn't because of space, 1999, but Brian Johnson moved over to empire strikes back and did the effects and won an Oscar for winning effects there. But I don't find anything about Nick Alder going with them. If he did, then my, it's, it's oddly omitted from my sources.
1: So just looking through this, just list of all the things that Alder, I have him listed for Mm -hmm. space, 1999, Mm -hmm. The Medusa Touch, <laughs> Richard, Richard Burton telekinetic movie. Nighthawks, Conan the Barbarian, The Final Option, which Jason heck loves. He worked on The Sender for Roger Christian. Top Secret, Ian McNeese connection there, because Ian's in that.
0: The did, Keep. Did we mention that Ian was in Top Secret? I don't think we or did. That he was on? No. Party uh, Tricks. Wow, guys. <laughs> yeah, so a little doggy poo poo. I'm sure that, will, that would have been an interesting one to mention. <laughs> I'm sure some people just get. Jumped um, down the chair just. But now.
1: he worked on uh, Braveheart and right. Fifth Element and Austin Space. But what's the
0: missing one? What's the? He didn't go to Empire Strikes Back with Brian Johnson. I think that's why. Yeah. See, that's so. the thing. The, the Star Wars. He was, worked on Empire Strikes Back.
1: He did. Yeah. See, what according the hell to this, is mechanical effects supervisor, production and mechanical
0: effects unit, nineteen eighty. So weird because I, everything I find is just about I looked I up know. IMDb, so yeah. you never know with IMDb; they could be all wrong. I didn't cross reference on IMDb. I'll admit that I was looking at people's biographies. And so on a Wikipedia or wherever else I could find them. And, and I was just, I didn't get a lot of Nick Alder. I just got like you, you got the credits and that's all I could find. But the, but the stories, the interviews and things all seem to be Brian Johnson. So huh. I don't know. Aren't well, you guys could, glad you stayed for failed.
1: Friday's episode to hear us blunder through all of this stuff? <laughs> it's there's so much and there's so many people. Oh, God, I there's don't no even, way
0: we could even get close to talking as about we all continue,
1: continue to problems. apologize for ourselves. Ron Cobb gets solo billing as a concept
0: artist, right? Yeah, uh, I think that's interesting. You yeah, know, and then,
1: then later, Mobius and Chris Foster listed later in the credits, right?
0: Yeah, and I think that's interesting because whenever you go through material, uh, the making of Alien books and the documentaries and so on, everyone talks about all the contributions of the concept artists. And, of course, Mobius is a big subject because he's such a legend in the comic book world, and then he crosses into other mediums and genres, genres and works on had worked on so many other movies that people like to talk about him, but we did talk about how limited his contribution really was due to financial reasons. And he just didn't, didn't end up doing a ton for the movie and and a lot of what he did didn't end up in the movie. And then, you know, Chris Foss, he did a lot of stuff too, but really when you, when you take it piece by piece, uh, Cobb was by far the biggest contributor to this movie. And I think not only in volume of contribution, but in, what you see on the screen, on the surface even, like the designs of the ships and everything, is so much more Ron Cobb than anyone else. So I think it's appropriate. I mean, he was the first one, too, right? He was the one they hired in right from the beginning, and then they brought Foss on and then Moy on, right? Yeah, and it's so nice it to makes see sense.
1: that Dan O'Bannon also gets a design credit.
0: It is. And you wonder how that came about, like not because he didn't do anything. Often a guy, like a screenwriter, might have a lot more of a contribution to a movie that he never gets credit for. So it's kind of cool that they were able to give it to him. I wonder if he fought tooth and nail for the credit or not.
1: I don't know because you do hear in a lot of the interviews that he was very actively involved in the early design. He was interfacing with Giger. Yeah. He was carrying ideas back and forth, even with the director. Well, how about if we do this? Yeah, that sounds
0: good. Go ahead with that. And so I think he was very actively involved. But Giger liked him, yeah. and Giger, there's all you can see all kinds of you know production stills of. O'Bannon and Giger working side by side so you know clearly he had the contribution it's good that he got the credit but um and we'll move on to John Mallow who was the costume designer who we mentioned first I remember back when Pete the retailer from Star Wars Minute was on uh, he was excited to bring him up because you know for all our listeners out there that listen to the Star Wars Minute they know that Pete is a massive Imperial officer fan. And it's like the design, the aesthetic of the Imperial officers. He's on about it quite often. And this is the guy who created that look. Yeah. I think he's, it's interesting because he's a, he's an aficionado that got to be an expert that got to be able to work in Hollywood. He's not like a guy who went to fashion design school and that's where he got his start and, and then started creating costumes and so on. He was a, a obsessive about military uniforms from childhood as I understand it, and grew up just being an expert, just being known as an expert. Now, I didn't get into his education. Uh, what I read didn't go into that, so possibly he did go to fashion design school. That's fine. What I'm talking about is you're a geek, yeah. and you get to do this amazing thing. I like Either the military hires you to design their uniforms or you do movies, one or the other. And boy, did he set the standard uh, for a lot of what we see as science fiction military motifs. But I guess initially he was hired on as a consultant on charge of the light brigade. That's where it all got started. And I, you know, as I understand it, he was kind of referred to that movie as, Hey, this guy knows a lot about uniforms. Let's talk to him. You know, I agree with Pete. I love the Imperial officer. That's it's iconic as all get out. And I think that he's made a great contribution to how we see science fiction costume design. Yeah. So there was another credit. Uh, So one of his, in his crew uh, was a guy and, Honestly, I might have not looked him up had he not had this amazing name, Tiny Nichols. That's his name. Now, that's not spelled like the Money Nichols. Still, it's an awesome name. It's still an awesome name. But boy, when I looked him up, did he turn out to be an interesting guy. So Tiny Nichols was in the wardrobe department. I'm just going to list the movies that I got here that I thought were of note. His first big one was The Devils, the Ken Russell film. Sam Peckinpah's Straw Dogs. The Ruling Class, The Man with the Golden Gun, The Omen, The Pink Panther Strikes Again, Revenge of the Pink Panther, Trail of the Pink Panther, and Curse of the Pink Panther, a.k.a. all the really bad Pink Panther movies. Uh, He was was on Empire, the crew of Empire Strikes Back, The Elephant Man, Outland, uh, Victor Victoria, so obviously he's a Blake Edwards favorite, uh, For Your Eyes Only, now, I want to point out here that there was a James Bond website that I found uh, kind of an obituary for him because he unfortunately did pass away uh, that said he did the full run between Man with the Golden Gun and Living Daylights. But IMDb failed to show any credits for Moonraker or um, The Spy Who Loved Me. So I'm a little confused about that. Don't be
1: confused if it's because IMDb is absolutely notorious for getting things wrong. So So
0: it's probably I, I imagine this James Bond obsessed website is probably correct. Um, he also did Octopussy of You to a Kill, Life Force, which I think is notable as being another Ron Cobb, and, a, and kind of an alien, what what some would consider to be kind of an alien ripoff movie too. Dan O'Bannon, weird, what, right? What did I say Ron Cobb? Yeah. Sorry. Dan O'Bannon, yes. Right. Um, then he did come back for Aliens, uh, did The Living Daylights, and then he also did Wing Commander, which is only notable as the movie a lot of people saw so they could see the Phantom Men- Menace trailer before it, <laughs> along with, <laughs> with Meet Joe Black and I Saw. A Bug's Life, which is where I went and saw The Phantom Ministry. Wow. All right. <laughs> anyway, that's, a, that's quite a career. And th- I didn't name everything. I just named the things that were notable to me. That's amazing. Yeah. So tiny nickels, everyone. Tiny
1: nickels. <laughs> um, in no particular order, there are a few other credits that are worth mentioning. Um, I just wanted to mention, <laughs> for the sake of Eric Moore, I wanted to mention The Modelers, Uh, Eddie Butler, Shirley, Denny, Patty Rogers, supervising modelers Martin Bauer and Bill Pearson because we've paid a lot of attention to models.
0: Yeah. Oh, we certainly have, and and rightfully so.
1: No credit to Bella Bartok, by the way. Uh, I wanted to just add that I still believe that Jerry Goldsmith completely ripped him off and he should have been credited because it sounds like Bella Bartok completely to me.
0: Um, I wanted to point out these guys. uh, George Gunning head carpenter. Bert Rodwell, head plasterer. John Davy, head painter. Now, these guys all got credit just for crafting Ash's head out of wood, plastering over it and painting it?
1: Oh, think of all the plastering they probably <laughs> had to do for Giger because they used all that weird organic oh, material. Are bones, you saying that they, and... they,
0: they, they, car- they plastered and painted other things besides Ash's head because I thought that was... One. Oh, is that all it says? I, it's just well, head design? Head, head carpenter. Head, or am I uh, reading that wrong? Because I... Th- <laughs> Is that a joke? This is a terrible joke, Mitch. You're oh, God. just All together. Yeah, sorry. Terrible joke, everyone. No, John Davey didn't, is not the guy who painted Ash's head, so it would look more like Parker when they did the oh, brain busting scene. We're on Ad- Adrian Biddle and Colin Davidson, focus pullers. Now, back when Todd Norse was on the show, we talked about Adrian Biddle. Yeah. Now, cool. they give Colin Davidson some credit here, too. Now, maybe you can tell me. I've never, I've shot some movies I've never had a focus puller on the crew. Is it a two-man, it's a two-man job, right? Back in the old days, right?
1: It might have been. Yeah. They might have had one person with the tape and one person with the that's uh, focus. That's what focus. I'm, that's what or I'm they picturing. May have, they, but there was an A camera and a B camera. True. So one might have been a focus puller on an A camera and one might have been a focus puller on a B camera.
0: So now this is another example of perhaps the narrative favoring the one who was on the more prominent projects over the years. Very but possibly, Adrian yeah. Biddle went on to yeah. DP for Aliens, for one thing. Yeah. So he's... He's a big name, but who knows what was A camera, what was B camera when they were pulling focus on all these immaculately pulled shots. And you really notice it when you're going through clips one at a time, looking for screen grabs to post on the website when you're posting a podcast. Because <laughs> sometimes I'll be looking, oh, I got to find the perfect face and it'll be a Ripley's face is out of focus. And then I'll just scroll the scrub through for just a second. And this perfect pull. I mean, oh, my God, that was just immaculate and so precise from one person to another from one object to another so got to give big ups to the focus pullers here these guys were amazing
1: yeah so let's not kid ourselves when you look at a movie one minute at a time you're really looking at the movie one second at a time you
0: are and especially yeah. if you're the guy that's looking for the screen grabs <laughs> yeah. there's one other person i really wanted to talk about and uh it's a guy i i think that maybe a guest or two has brought him up on the show in passing but we've never actually taken the time to give him proper credit and that is the man inside the alien suit Balaji Badejo I hope that I pronounced that correctly I think he did um but I think it will take time because he gets a solo credit he doesn't get credited in the cast but he gets a solo credit here and I think it's great that he does now this is his absolute only credit ever It's the only time he was ever in a movie and he's not was not an actor he was not a performer as i read his biography he was an artist he was a graphic designer and uh, from nigeria and he came up in a well-to-do family his dad was i guess high up in the government and he was doing quite well but had this troubled childhood one he was diagnosed with sickle cell anemia as a child two nigeria had a civil war that drove them out of the country for a period of time where he went to i believe ethiopia and went to school and became a graphic designer he ended up in england as sort of this, they said that he always was sort of a hippie like guy. Like he was always a free spirit, um, very creative. The whole family, at least on the mother's side, was very creative artist types. And so he, he was able to wander the world a little bit and he ended up in England. It happened to be in a pub with the casting director from Alien. And they had been searching high and low for someone tall enough and lanky enough to fit inside that suit. And they had tried all these models, very tall female models, different men who were tall and lanky as well, including Peter Mayhew, uh, who's Chewbacca, as most of us know. And they just couldn't find the person at all. And boy, they're sitting around having a pint in the pub. And there's this guy. And if any of you have ever seen a picture of him, this is the most impossibly tall and lanky person you've ever seen. I mean, he... Beats a lot of these, like, Minute Bowl and some of the basketball players I think of as, like, these seven-foot, like, tall, long. And his arms, his hands go to his knees, and his thighs are particularly lengthy and all these things. And it turned out he was just a perfect fit for what they had as an idea for the alien. And just approached him and said, you want to give it a shot? They did some molds of his body. Giger bucked against it, didn't think... Th- based on the molds that it was going to work, but they convinced him. And so it was the whole process to get him inside this suit. And when um, it came time to shoot, boy, I guess it was a very, very difficult thing to do. And it required a great deal of study in Tai Chi and other types of movement. Uh, being a non-performer, he had to learn that all from scratch. The suit was, of course, incredibly uncomfortable. Apparently, he would never complain. It was like in his nature to not complain. And it took Tom Skerritt noticing that the guy had never sat down on the set to realize that he couldn't sit down. They had to they had to arrange this giant sling for him to sit in because that tail. It was literally to, wow. the guys who designed the suit didn't realize it. Tom Skerritt had to come along and go, this poor guy can't sit down. And he powered through it and gave this incredible physical performance underneath this suit that it's so subtle. You never even think about the guy inside the suit, maybe. But you have to think that somehow it was instrumental to our being convinced of the reality of this movie. So uh, there's one little anecdote that goes along with the, his story. And that's that um, the day in which he was supposed to kill Parker, Yafet Koto, who had been spending the entire movie shoot being the most boisterous troublemaker on the set, decided that Parker wasn't going to die. <laughs> Apparently he came on the set and said, there's no way this motherfucker is going to kill me. And everybody was arguing, and he was literally like, I'm not going to shoot this this way. I'm going to fight this guy. And uh, apparently Bellagio Badeo just, like, took him, threw him down on the ground, and pinned him, and sat on his chest I somehow. I guess that's what the story goes. And Yafikoto could not get him off of him, and it was the way that they got him to shut up and do the scene. And apparently uh, Bellagio Badeo he didn't say anything or anything. He didn't make a big show of it. He just said, yeah, I am going to get, I'm going to get you the best of you, buddy. I'm sorry. And he wow. did. So that's a little that's story great. about Blondie That's a great story. And if it isn't true, it doesn't matter because oh, yeah, print the legend. Because it, it's certainly inconsistent with the no sitting story. But <laughs> one way or another, he pinned them down. All right. That's pretty cool. He's a good person to end these credits on, I think. I think so, too. We could, we, you know, we'll acknowledge that the that we end on the cast of characters, but boy, have we talked about every one of them extensively. I don't think we need to take any more of your time to talk about Tom Skerritt or Squirty Weaver or anyone but I did want to ask you, Mitch you one question. Since you saw the movie in the theater on opening day, it just the thought occurred to me as the credits came to an end here as I was watching them. Did you sit through all these? Yeah. Yeah. I did I just because I was exhausted. <laughs> I figured that's I was what exhausted.
1: I mean. The theater was crowded. And I tend to sit through credits. I like to sit through credits. And it's me not too. because I'm waiting for some Easter egg at the end. I'm just always interested in seeing. There's just all, there's information. There's information hidden in. The credits, yeah, where things were filmed and things that you might not have expected were involved, and so yeah,
0: I think there's different parts of me. One, I like to give the people that make the movie the, a little bit of time and, and acknowledge that they're, even yeah. if I don't read the credits exactly, but usually I do like to look through them and see if I recognize anything. Um, in the case of this movie, so we get we come sort of as a callback to the Howard Hansen bit of the music, we come right back to we end the credits with that same minor note, right? That we talked about being the sort yeah, of indication that maybe just, everything's not over. They kind of replayed they just it, played the, it over again. Yeah. So it's interesting that it ends there. So if you sat through the credits, you would also leave with that same sense minor of maybe notes. nothing, maybe it's not over yet. Yeah. I, I I figured too, It if it seemed like the kind of movie that there's no way you're getting up out of that seat right away. You're just going to sit through until the lights come up. And I, I figured I'd just ask you if that was the case. So. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to end today by giving a shout out to everyone that was on the show. I just want to give a list of everyone who has been a guest on our show. Great. So we had Jason Heck, Todd Norris, Caitlin Horseman, Tom Taylor, Jerry Porter, and Pete Mummert, Pete the Retailer, Matt Curione, West Anthony, Tasha Robinson, Crystal Beth, Katie Mello, and Margaret Meyer, Violet Luca, Bruce Brannett, Aaron Hamer-Beck, Ian McNeese, Christoph Nemeth, Mariah E. Gates, John Nickem, Marlon West, and David Bax, and Tyler Smith from the Battleship Pretension Podcast. Thanks a lot, everyone for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. That was a
1: lot of time and energy spent watching clips.
0: And you know I think this will lead me into my final thought. We'll do a little final thought moment here and, and this will lead me right into it because I feel like we've exhausted so much what we could say about the movie Alien. So what I wanted to say about this experience doing this this is my first podcast, and I wanted to say that part of the what made the experience so exciting to me was the availability of all these people to come on the show. I was actually really surprised that people, uh, such great filmmakers, such interesting critics, came on the show. Specifically, people like West, Anthony, Tasha, Robinson, David, Tyler from Battleship Pretension. Those are people I've spent a lot of time listening to, and it's weird. This podcast world—it's a—it's a weird thing. Just a note about podcasting is. It's such a personal thing in a way. 99% of podcasts are listened to alone, I'm sure. And, and I walk around and I listen to these guys talk about movies and I feel like I've been a part of the conversation from time to time. And it was really funny to then go to these people who I've known through just a podcast for so long and say, hey, you want to come talk to me about a movie? And they go, yeah. And it was shocking sometimes. And I'd be like, oh, but that's really cool. I didn't expect you to actually say yes. I was just giving it a shot. But everybody is so available And I just really appreciate that from everyone. And I think it's deeply enhanced the show. Mitch has a lot of radio experience. I don't have any experience doing this. Working with Mitch has been a huge help for me to integrate myself into this process and get a little confidence to do this and understand what it takes to do this. And then having all these guests on who are also experienced at this has helped a lot and and just enriching the show a great deal. So thanks, everyone. And that's just my final thought on the show. And I would just like
1: to say, thanks to you, John, you found all these people, most of these people, you brought them into this um, and you introduced me to a world that I didn't know anything about because I knew nothing about podcasting before I started this thing. And I've met some terrific people through this process. So I'm looking forward to doing some stuff in the future and talking about aliens and doing a couple, maybe doing a special show here or there, maybe take the time to do something about Prometheus before the new movie comes out. So um, there will be more stuff in the future
0: yeah aliens minute is gonna happen uh not 100 percent sure when or how uh if it'll be exactly the same but we're doing it and we owe you guys a bonus there's a bonus episode coming for sure and then like mitch said i think we're gonna do prometheus we're gonna give it a look we basically shit all over prometheus every time it comes up on this show we won't be shitting on it one minute at a time though. no it won't be a one minute at a time thing by any means it'll just be a a show where we look back and reevaluate prometheus and and Maybe try to give it, you know, some credit. I'm not sure how it's going to come out. But a lot of people, a lot of our listeners like it. So let's give it another look and we'll do a special episode at some point about that. And then hopefully that will lead into the release of Alien Covenant, which is next summer, I think. So, yeah. So look forward to that stuff. We'll be coming. We'll have announcements on the Facebook page about that.
1: Yeah. And keep the stuff coming on the Facebook page. The conversation will continue even if the podcast does not.
0: Or you can go back to the beginning and listen to the whole thing over again. Tell your friends, hey, I listened to this podcast. It's already done, but go back and listen to it from point one, from episode one. And you can do that at alienminute.com, or you can go to iTunes and subscribe there, Stitcher, Google Play. Um, you can also find us uh, still conversing and posting pictures on Twitter and Instagram. That's either at Twitter at Alien Minute Pod or on Instagram at Alien Minute Podcast. T shirts will still be available uh, at our T public page. And like Mitch said, let's keep the conversation going on the Facebook page. All right. Well, that's going to do it for Alien. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. We'll see you the next time. See you next time. Thanks.